The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. We exalt you, O Lord. Arise and let your enemies be scattered. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in to be part of this worship service. It's another day that the Lord has given us. And you know what? We're still standing. We're yet alive. And we ought to give God the glory. You know, this pandemic is really changing the way we live. In many ways, it's turning things upside down. But you know what? It's all to the glory of God. Things are really different. And even after this thing is over, I believe it's going to impact the way we live for many years to come. But God is still God. He changes not. And the same God has given us grace to come this far. He will take us on. And so we thank God for that. Amen. This morning, I want to get back into the word of the Lord. And... Uh, I'm reminded of Psalm 68, verse 11, where it says, And the Lord sent the word, and great was the company who published it. And today I'm here to publish the truth of God. I'm here to give witness, to bear witness to the truth. And we started about three weeks ago a series of messages that I call The Path of Perfection. And today I want to go into part four, and I believe it's going to be my last part of this message. But you know, God may change that. And I want to go into part four of the path of perfection. A foundation scripture has been found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter five, verse 48, where Jesus says, as he teaches on the mount, during the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus said these words, Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Perfect. Perfection. Fully developed. Complete, entire, wanting nothing. And today I want to talk about love shows the way. Somebody may ask the question, where can I find the path of perfection? Where is it? Well, love will show you the way. So that's what I want to talk about today. Love shows the way. Here Jesus says that we are to be perfect, even as our Father in heaven is perfect. How can we be perfect, beloved? How can we be perfect? How can we ever be sinless, and flawlessly perfect. As long as we live on this earth and we have an earthly nature, we will never have sinless perfection like our Father, God in heaven. But we can be perfect in character. We can be perfect in holiness. We can be perfect in maturity. And we can be perfect in love. How? How can we be perfect in love? Well, 
Love shows the way to the path of perfection. You know, being on the path and staying on the path can be hard. It is not easy, beloved. So I don't want to sell you short. I don't want to mislead you. Being on the path of perfection has never been easy. It can be very hard. For example, when we are wronged, our first reaction often is to retaliate. Or we'll keep score. That that person said something to me to hurt me. That person did me wrong. And oftentimes the first reaction is, how can I get even with that person? Or how can I do something or another to make this right? At least the way I feel. We're good at keeping score. You know, we talk about forgiveness, but do we really forgive one another? If you're keeping score about what somebody did to you, you're not walking in love. Did you hear what I said? If you are a scorekeeper, you can't be walking in love. You know, Jesus taught us that we should love and forgive. But somebody might say, well, you don't know what they did to me, Pastor. You don't know what they said. You don't know how hard they hurt me. And how am I supposed to love and forgive them? This is a natural. You're exactly right. It's supernatural. That's right. It's supernatural. And only God's love can show us the way to the path of perfection. Here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is given a long sermon on the mount. And in verse 48, he told us to be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. But why did he say that? In this sermon, he gave us new standards of righteousness. And it's these new standards of righteousness that leads us to perfection. For example, he's pretty much saying love with forgiveness will keep us on the path. And in verse 38, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, Jesus in his sermon says, And again you have heard that it was said to those of of old, You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now please listen very carefully. Jesus is acknowledging that at one time of old, it was legally permissible to practice the precept, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But he's going to give us a higher standard of righteousness. There is a way that's higher than eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And we need to understand this old covenant law. This old law that the Israelites lived under, under the law of Moses. This was never a law to be used individually. This was a law given to the judges. Those who were supposed to be administering justice. In fact, believe it or not, 
Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth was really an expression of mercy. The purpose of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, is, is that you, you mete out punishment that meets the crime. You don't want punishment that's too lenient or too strict. So under the law of Moses, the understanding was, let there be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, not so. There's a higher standard of righteousness. And he said in verse 39, but I tell you not to resist evil person. Don't resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Well, the Lord is telling us the higher standard of righteousness is to get beyond retaliation, to get beyond feeling you want to get revenge with somebody, get beyond a vendettas and retribution. He is saying, even if an evil person slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the left cheek. Now, I want to keep it real. I want to keep it 100. I don't know anybody that can live under the standard of righteousness. Now, perhaps somebody, some people could. The closest I ever seen to this was with my pastor many years ago in Minneapolis. You know, our church always had a parking problem. And many of the saints coming to worship would park all over the place. And I'll never forget the, a next door neighbor to the church came over to the church and complained to the pastor about all the cars parked on his property. And the, the discussion, or I should say the conversation got heated. And this man, this sinful man, he grabbed my pastor by his tie and choked him. And my pastor did not respond. That's the closest I've seen to this. Maybe he didn't respond because all of us young ministers were there looking. Maybe he's trying to put on a good example for us. But he said, if an evil person slaps you on one side of your face, turn and give him the other side. What is he saying here? It's not about retaliation. It's not about getting even. It's not even about getting your justice, but rather it's giving justice. It's not receiving mercy, but rather giving mercy. Then he went on to say there was another high standard of righteousness that he he put forth in the sermon. He also said, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, in other words, take away your coat, he says, let them have your cloak also. In other words, if somebody want to sue you for your underwear, he says, let them have your outerwear as well. This is where we get the expression about suing your drawers off. He says, if somebody wants to sue your drawers off, give them your outer clothes as well. This is a high standard of righteousness. Then he also said in verse 41, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. In first century, a government official could actually commandeer you and say, carry my bags. They could commandeer your horse, your donkey, commandeer your boat. But Jesus said if, if an official compels you 
to carry his bags one mile, go ahead and volunteer and carry it two miles. What is the Lord teaching us? He is teaching us about love. He's teaching us about mercy. He's teaching us how to achieve perfection. Then he goes on to say in verse 42, and this is the one most of us have trouble with. He says, give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not, return, do not turn away. This is a difficult saying for most of us. Why? Let's keep it real now. Most of us recoil when somebody come to us and they want something from us. They want to borrow something. They want us to give them something. You know, some folks, they ought to be named, give me, lend me, let me have. That's their conversation. Every time you see them, they want you to, to give them something, to lend them something, or let them have something. Huh? But he says, don't recoil when a person comes to you and asks you for something. Now, Jesus is presupposing that this person has a genuine need. And he says, the person who wants to borrow from you, don't turn that person away. But this is a difficult saying because you worked hard for your money, for your material possessions. You worked hard for whatever God has given you. And sometimes it's difficult for us to part with that which God has given us. Then we know some folk, even, in, even though they say, let me borrow, you'll never see it again. Some folks have lost the victory. Relationships have been destroyed because you loaned somebody money and that money was near and dear to your heart. Why? You valued that money. You worked hard for that money. This was your material. This was your, your earthly material. This was your possession. This was your money. And how's it that somebody wants to take what you have rightfully earned or God has rightfully given it to you? But he said, just give it to him. Just make the loan. But I say to you, don't loan anybody something that you think if they don't pay it back, you're going to be bent out of shape. You're going to lose the victory. It's better just to give them what you can. Did you hear what I said? It's better just to give them what you can and let them know I'm not there yet. I value our friendship too much. And I don't want to lose the victory. I don't want to lose out with God. I don't want to lose out with you. So here's what I can give you. And when you give it to him, there's no expectation of repaying it. Then he begins to shift gears here. Now, so far, he's given us some very high standards of righteousness. Very high. Most of these standards, most people can't even walk in. But he told his disciples and he told the crowd there on the mount that day. He said, accept your righteousness. Exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. You shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was teaching us that if we're going to be on the path to perfection, our righteousness has to be higher than religious people. It must succeed the religious people. It must reflect that the love of God is being shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost. Then he goes on to sermon, he says, 
But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, this must have offended a lot of Jews in his day when he taught that. Remember, they were looking for a Messiah. They wanted a Messiah who would take up arms and fight against Roman oppression. They wanted a Messiah that would deliver them from Rome. And how can you deliver us from Rome if you're telling us to love our enemies, to bless those who curse us, and those that hate us to pray for them, those that spitefully use us and persecute them, you say pray for them? We say we want to destroy Rome. So they had to be highly offended. But he says to us, the greatest weapon that you ever use against your enemy is not a carnal weapon, but it's love. It's love. And why would he say that? Well, verse 45 says that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. Please notice, he didn't say so you can become a son of God. He says that you might show your son of God. We don't do these things and try to live up to these standards of righteousness just to say we have become a son of God. We do these things to show that we are a son of God. That you may be the sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. God is an impartial God. And we can allow to be partial toward those that hate us. We can't be partial to those who spitefully use us and persecute us. We got to be like God. Remember before you came to God, God was still good to you. It was the goodness of God that worked repentance in your life. And we got to be just like God. We cannot afford to be a a partial people showing partiality, showing favors to the ones who like us and being unfavorable to the ones that don't like us. God says, not so. God says, I have mercy on the just and the unjust. For example, when it rains, I send the rain on the just and the unjust as well. And we as the people of God, we got to love those that love us and love those that don't love us. That's being like God. Then he said in verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? You ain't done a thing. If you love everybody that loves you, you want to speak to everybody that speak well of you, you haven't done nothing. Hear me, beloved. He says, what reward do you do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same thing. Remember, tax collectors were considered sinners. They were very despised. He says, even tax collectors, they love those who love them. And if you do the same thing as a tax collector, what reward do you have? Then he goes on to say, if you, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others. Even their tax collectors do the same thing. Some folk get mad because somebody didn't speak to them. You should speak to everybody who make con eye contact with you. That's my rule of thumb. If you make eye contact with me, I'll speak to you. 
But if you don't want to look me in the eye, then I keep, on, I keep it going. Just keep it moving. But if you only want to speak to those that speak to you, you're no better than a tax collector, a, a despised sinful person, the Lord says. He's given us a higher standard of righteousness. Now he says in verse 48, this, is, this has been our foundation scripture. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Now you're starting to see the picture. This was getting on the path of perfection. Not retaliation, not revenge, not refusing to give, not hatred, not praying for those who hurt you. When you do these things, when you engage in retaliation, when you engage in revenge, when you refuse to give to the person that's really in need. And we live in a day and a time where there's so many beggars out on the street corners, we don't know who to give to. And so many of us just don't give to nobody. Isn't it better to give to 10 fraudulent beggars than to miss out giving to that one beggar who had a genuine need? Now, we'll begin to think like that when we, when we believe that God is our source. Now, I know I'm telling the truth. You got to be willing to give. Because that's God given to them. He's giving through you. He's using you. Then you got to pray for those who hurt you. If you don't do these things, beloved, it'll cause you to stall on the path of perfection. You just run out of gas. You just stall and come to a stop. You won't be growing in maturity. You won't be growing in your faith. Now, the truth be told, humanly speaking, the behavior that the Lord is calling for in the Sermon on the Mount is impossible. It's impossible without the help of the Holy Ghost and without the strength of God's love operating in us. It's impossible otherwise. Somebody had said that it's impossible to live the Christian life. That is true. This is why the Lord lives it through us. This is why he gives us his love and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The point Jesus is making here, he made it in the 20th verse. He is simply telling us on the path of perfection, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. It's got to exceed that crowd who believes eye for an eye, two for two. It's got to exceed that crowd who believes if an evil person slaps you on one side of your face, you ought to take up arms to destroy them. He said our righteousness must exceed that. And that puts us on the path of perfection. Now what I like about this is that love shows the way. Glory to God. Love shows the way to those who aspire to be like God, who aspire to be imitators of God. Ephesians chapter five, verse one. The apostle Paul said to the Ephesians, therefore be you imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved you and given himself as, a, as an offering, as a sacrifice unto God, as a sweet smelling savor. Walk in love. You got to imitate God. 
if God is not partial to others who curse him, who hate him, then we cannot be partial toward them as well. We must be imitators of God and walk in love the same way Christ has loved us. He loved us enough to offer himself on the cross to give his life for us as an offering and a sacrifice for us unto God as a sweet-smelling Savior, sweet-smelling aroma. We must walk in love. Love shows us the way. Stay on the path of perfection. We got to forget about our failures. We've had failures. I know I have. I haven't always been willing to turn the other cheek. In fact, I don't remember turning it once. I know what the Bible says. Turn the other cheek. I'm not there. So don't try me. I'm just keeping it real. I'm not there. And the truth is, you never know what you're going to do until you get in a situation. You might say, well, I would turn the other cheek. How do you know if you haven't been in a situation? And even though I'm saying, I won't turn the other cheek, you'll never know, and I'll never know until I get in that situation. Maybe I will turn the other cheek. Maybe I'll allow the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to control me in that situation. But I'll never do it in my earthly nature. Never do it. And that's a failure. But we got to forget about our failures. We've got to forget about our missteps, our mistakes, our shortcomings. And we got to keep pressing on. We got to continue to make that a goal to be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Don't give up. Stay on the path to perfection. Paul never gave up. Paul said to the Philippians, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul says, brethren, I do not count myself as, as one who's apprehended. In other words, I don't count myself to have reached perfection. But Paul went on to say, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing forward to those things that are ahead of me, He says, I press toward the mark for the prize, for the higher calling of God in Christ Jesus. We got to continue to stay on the path of perfection and keep pressing on. Keep pressing for the mark of that higher call, which is perfection. Perfection in God. But you never, you never press on if you're always looking in the rearview mirror saying, I fail God. In this way, I tripped, I misstepped in this way. I fell short. But you got to keep pressing on because love shows the way. Now in closing, let me say this. Everything in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached leads up to the climatical conclusion These things I'm teaching you so that you might be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect, that you might get on the road of perfection and continue on that road. Glory to God. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.